Welcome to Practically Theologians. This is Josh, recording Tuesday, April 7th. I thought I'd throw a quick update out there and say we're sorry for not recording more episodes, and we hope to do so in the future. And please send us ideas, send us comments via email, podcast at practicallytheologians.org. Perhaps those ideas will give us the oomph that we need to record more episodes. It's very much something we enjoy doing. It's just something we haven't made the time to do. It's a great opportunity for us who are in seminary together to get back together and discuss some things and keep up uh, with with life, uh, with each other, just to talk. And um, we're all very busy, I'm sure, with business, with church, and things like that. So uh, it'd be good to get an excuse to get together again after not seeing one another for quite some time. I just wanted to throw that out there and say we're going to be recording a podcast Thursday, this Thursday, so hopefully I can release that quickly after we, we record it. We're going to be talking with John and Ferris about family worship, and I know that'll be a fun topic for me to discuss. I hope it's helpful for you all. I also wanted to update you all as far as what's going on here in Washington State with this coronavirus scare. Our government has shut things down. I'm not working. No one can work unless they're deemed essential. Uh, which includes a lot of businesses, I'm sure, but not mine. Um, I'm in construction. Also, we're not allowed to meet as a church, so we have not heard preaching for a few weeks, and we won't be hearing preaching until at least May 4th, at the governor's discretion, apparently, which is kind of scary to think about and makes me thankful that I'm not an elder who has to make decisions in that regard. But it is kind of, it's worth thinking about that a governor... The governor, because of a sickness where, who knows, I mean, you have to admit the data is not clear yet, but because of a sickness, the governor bans people from worshiping together, among other things. The governor bans people from having liberty. Um, so as an American citizen, it's it's scary. But also just as somebody who who really recognizes that they miss miss worshiping with the people of God, miss hearing preaching, and miss taking communion together with the saints. Um, it makes you realize what a privilege it is that we enjoy such a freedom of worship here in the United States, and it makes me ready and willing to do whatever it takes to ensure that we continue to have religious liberty, as le- at least as far as it's in my power and ability and in my calling to do so. I was also thinking... I wrote a little blurb that I put on my wife's Facebook page. Thinking about definitions, it's an opportunity we have with the the fear that we have nowadays, but also also the terms that are being thrown out there. We we can use those things to to get into a conversation with people if we're able to have conversations, which I know it's hard to do now. You have to use the phone or a letter or whatever. But the term I was thoughtful about was vulnerable persons. The governor of this state is in favor of killing babies who can't defend themselves, who are not even born yet. And yet he is concerned with preserving human life. And there's some questions there, like, definitionally, what det- what makes a person a vulnerable person? Why is it... Another question, why is it important to protect human life over, say, cat life? Why aren't we putting stay-home orders out there for cats? It seems like I remember hearing a tiger or a cat caught the coronavirus. 
And it seems as though we should be protecting their life. What makes their life any different from a human life in the governor's, from the governor's worldview, who rejects the truth of God as far as what it means to be a human being? So I thought I'd just point that out and say that's something worth asking people in terms of getting to the bottom of things and showing them that ultimately there is a solution to death. There is one who removes fear, and that is Jesus and his death and resurrection. He conquered death, and he was raised, and those who believe in him will also look to a resurrection hope instead of to the curse of death. So therefore, death has lost its sting for us who believe in Jesus Christ. And in terms of definitions, haha, that's a play on words, terms, definitions. Let us not forget that God does define what it means to be a human being. There is only one true definition of what it means to be a human being. And any other definition that anybody uses is based on not truth, but self. And self can include power. Those who are powerful enough to define what it means to be a human can do so. It's sobering too when you think about it that way. Those who hold the power to define what it means to be a vulnerable being, a vulnerable person, to even be a person, hold the power to define those persons right out of existence if they want to. Seems to me as though I recall a time when that was done to the Jewish people. Um, but let's not get too far down that road. God does define what it means to be human. He created us in his image, knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, and dominion. All humans are created in this image of God. And Jesus Christ, God incarnate, gives us a supreme example of what it means to be truly human. All humans in Adam, the first human, fell because of his sin. And we've all been infected by that sin. We've all been cursed because of that sin. Jesus Christ incarnate, God incarnate, God come in human flesh. He lived a perfect life that Adam should have lived. On our behalf, he's done this. Lived a perfect life. He obtained an inheritance for us. And then he died because of the need to take away the curse of death, the penalty of death for our sin. And not only did he die bearing that curse, but he, he rose again on the third day. And we're going to be looking at that uh, many churches would have been meeting to celebrate the resurrection, <clears throat> and we're not going to be doing that. And I hope we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday, actually. But this is a huge point when we're addressing people's fears, and, and we can use this idea of what makes a human being a human being and get to this truth of the gospel through that avenue, if, if so, if we're given that opportunity. So I hope we can be thoughtful about definitions and who defines what it means to be human and how do people get the gall to say what is a human and what is not. How can someone say that an unborn child is not a human being worth protecting, is not a vulnerable person, and an elderly person is vulnerable? Who, who, who says when, you're, when you reject the truth of God, on what basis are you defining who is vulnerable? The person with the most power defines it when they reject God's truth. We don't have to fear that. We don't have to fear death. 
death has lost its sting because of the work of Jesus Christ, and we are thankful for that, I hope. So as we weather this storm that may or may not be all media hype and social media-fueled panic, or politicians seeking power or fame, and, you know, you see a lot of this idea that politicians are this new, they're the new saviors. Humans are looking to their politicians to save them from death. And this, this also presents an opportunity to share the gospel and to point out that these politicians are not saviors at all. To point out that there can only be one Savior. There is only one Savior who can save us from death. So as we weather this storm, be encouraged. Death is the most fearful thing we face, and there is an answer to its sting. The gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's treat the vulnerable well, those who are created in God's image. Let us refrain from bringing upon them suffering in an unneeded way. But also... Let's not do so in a fearful way. Let's do so in a loving way. Maybe as we treat people well, and as we talk to people about definitions, and as we talk to people about liberty, and and what all this means, and who's defining these things, and why can they define things, and what is it based on? I hope this opens up opportunities for us to present the gospel, to present Jesus' work to people, to show them that there is only one way to know truth, and the only, only one hope for life. So... I just wanted to throw that out there. It's probably a bit disjointed. I was reading from some notes, but I was also kind of ad-libbing. Anyway, I look forward to talking with Ferris and John on Thursday. I hope you all have a safe week, and I pray that we all can worship again one day with our church brothers and sisters and hear God's word preached once again. Thanks for listening. Again, email me, podcast at practicallytheologians.org. I'd love your comments and ideas. I hope you all have a swell week.